right, we are back with another episode of the Saxo Market Call, and today we're going to talk about macroeconomics and FX with uh, Sharo out in our Singapore office. I am looking forward to this conversation, and um, yeah, we're recording this on a Friday, so keep that in mind when we have the conversation, and um, that's probably quite important. And um, Sharo, welcome back on the show and um, we're going to talk or the podcast I should say and we, we're going to talk about the um, the dollar um, because the dollar is trading at some of the strongest levels basically since uh, March if you use the uh, the dollar spot index and you have all these stories with very weak yen and and the renminbi against the dollar so the big question for you is is probably I mean how far can this dollar rally go Yeah, hi Peter. Good to be back with you. Certainly, I think uh, dollar's been something on um, every uh, trader investor's mind uh, over this last week, over the last several weeks. In fact, um, and you know, I was starting to be hesitant about it a little bit last week. Um, that did prove to be a little mistimed, I would say. But I'm even more, you know, skeptical now to get on the bus. I would say with the dollar bumping up against some really key levels here, I would say. Um, you know, simply enough, um, uh, as was evident in the data over this week, um, there there is a very clear outperformance that we are seeing in the U.S. economy on a relative basis, and that is, you know, potentially likely to continue. We saw that not just in the U.S. numbers and the ISMs, particularly, but also in the European data, which continued to be weaker than expectations. We also saw uh, it with what's happening in China, where Uh, stimulus actions are continuing to fall short to you know bring any meaningful turnaround there really uh, so just the theme that there is no real alternative to us dollar assets for now um that is obviously boosting up the dollar if you look at it from a yield perspective it does seem like the yield driven dollar rally may have run most of its course right now Um, if you look at it from a safety bid driven dollar rally, and we talked about that USD smile curve last week as well, um, so that you know safety bid driven dollar rally also doesn't seem to be in sight as of now. It's not on a very urgent basis, I would say. Uh, so this is really just driven by that relative economic performances, which are really hard to navigate, right? Especially with China and Japan, particularly you know showing in some intervention warnings, but again not proving enough. Uh, no clear signs that they might do anything meaningful to turn this around. Uh, so that that does you know just give give it some more room to to run run its course. But certainly technically, um, there there may be levels that may be a little bit tough to conquer. Yeah, that uh, there's a very good uh, perspective there, and it really the focus on it's a relative game in currencies. So the you know the weakness in Europe and what we're seeing in China obviously is driving that demand for the US. It could also you know down the uh, down the road here it could be as well a lot of flows coming into. Um, supporting the, the dollar because there will be an increase of safe haven assets in, in asset allocations. Right now, the trade is to avoid bonds, but that could change very quickly. And I think, Shara, I mean, looking, I mean, we're recording this on a Friday, so, but next week, um, and when, when you listen to this uh, out there, it will, of course, will be uh, this uh, that week. Um, but we have the um, the inflation numbers um, coming for, um, for in the U.S., and that will obviously play a role for the dollar because that will set potentially i don't know whether you think it's a non-event or not but it's it, at least we'll get another data point on where where is inflation in the us actually headed and if you look at the expectation uh, the expectation is for the core to 
um, continued lower to 4.3% on a year-to-year basis, and the headline um, going a little bit higher to 3.6%. So there's a convergence between the core and the headline, and I, I guess energy markets and prices there, which I talked to Ole about in our recent commodities podcast, um, that's playing a, playing a role there, mm-hmm. of course. Yeah, I mean, certainly. I mean, no data can be ignored these days, right? Markets have such a heavy dependence on data right now. And um, that's potentially driven by the focus that central banks have, you know, the data dependent approach. So again, of course, inflation is the key data point for next week for the US. Um, And like you said, you know, the numbers, um, at least on the expectation side, are pointing to firmer headline, which in part is also driven by base effects. So I don't know how the markets will particularly, you know, whether they will give it a lot of focus or not. Um, but obviously what happens with the core will certainly remain quite interesting. And that if that continues to give us that message on disinflation, um, I would think, yeah, the, you know, I think that's already something that is in the market pricing right now. So that should not be too big a concern. Um, but, you know, I think also the other thing, and again, we've discussed this extensively uh, pre- uh, uh, internally as well, Peter, about how the focus for the market is really shifting away from inflation to more on the on the labor market side. And, you know, that's something also we heard from Fed Chair Powell at Jackson Hole as well a couple of weeks back. Um, so the reaction function to labor market data is certainly a lot more pronounced, whether it is, you know, even if it is tier two or tier three labor market data. Um, so as, as long as inflation remains close to expectations, kind of keep confirming, at least on the core side, those disinflation trends, um, I would think, you know, yeah, that will potentially, you know, um, something be that's not too big a worry for the market, unless, of course, we see an upside surprise on the core, particularly um, that 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 may again, yeah, fuel some further dollar rallies and <laughs> take it above those technical levels that we just talked about. Yeah, exactly. Um, we're going to shift focus a little bit. So um, we talked about the dollar. Um, we're flying over to Asia. Talk about China because China very much in focus. Um, you know the weak economic uh, activity levels, the um, the brewing crisis in the um, which have been ongoing for quite some time in the property sector. That's still not a, sol- a solved issue. Uh, Country Garden, one of the big real estate developers, just recently avoided um, uh, you know a default on their uh, on some of their you know offshore uh, bonds. Um, so a lot of nervousness there. But this the focus seems to have shifted a little bit this weekend. There was uh, introduced um, by the Chinese uh, authorities uh, a ban on certain state agencies. Um, so you know, employees cannot or uh, state workers cannot use the the iPhone. And the fear is that that can spread. And and it really puts the whole semiconductor industry back into focus and really this seems to be a, a quite a big choke point in terms of geopolitics um i don't know what your perspective is on on china and also you know there are you know there are potential rate cuts coming next week so maybe if you can sort of, uh, unfold or your your thoughts on on china at this point in the cycle yeah, I mean, we already had enough to talk about China with the property sector, with the economy, with this new Apple ban is, you know, obviously coming into the mix now. And um, I think particularly as of now, I would say that the number of, um, uh, you know, people or, num- or the amount of revenue that would be affected for Apple is not significant. Uh, but this is, of course, you know, it is a step in uh, a direction which we need to monitor. We are seeing a lot of anti-Apple, anti-foreign product sentiment on local Chinese social media websites 
And uh, there's also speculation that the the local telecom carrier, China Mobile, it actually may not stock the new uh, latest iPhone that is supposed to be launched um, on uh, September 15th. Uh, so I think um, there are risks, uh, but as of now, what we are seeing is just uh, uh, some very strong rhetoric. Um, how much of that will be followed up in real action will remain to be seen over the next over the course of the next week. Uh, but I'll certainly on the economic side, I think uh, you mentioned rate cuts, and um, yes, we could see uh, some of that again uh, next week. Uh, but again, I think the big question that really remains is that. Uh, does that really help? Will it change the direction in which the Chinese economy is going? Um, you know, and um, you know, there's a there's a huge concern around the capital to really support these kind of rate cuts. Does China really have it, or uh, are authorities just um, you know eroding more and more capital from the banks by announcing such rate cuts? Talking about you know the potential um, balance sheet recession that China is facing, where consumers and corporates are in a deleveraging mode, whether they really will be prompted to take up more loans because of that 10 basis points or 15 basis points of rate cuts that we see there. Um, so, I mean, uh, I think uh, those are some of the key questions, even if we were to get some key rate cuts. So I think the bigger focus um, over the course of the next week uh, especially with China, will be what they do with the yuan. Because uh, uh, today, being Friday, uh, we got a very strong signal uh, in terms of their fixing. So, so far, you know, markets were thinking that uh, 7.35 was the line in the sand for the PBOC to uh, really let the yuan weaken. But um, the fixing today was a, a little bit higher than expected. And that means that they have let the yuan run weaker than what their previous acceptance limits were. Now, question is, where will they draw the line next? Could it be 737? Could it be 740? Who knows? But that is certainly one area to watch. And also, you know, what is turning out to be just another indirect tailwind for the US dollar as well at the moment. Yeah, there are a lot of tough policy decisions to be made in China for sure. But before we leave China and go back to talk a little bit about Europe and ECB, which will be is on the line um, with a rate decision next week. Um, we're going into the weekend with a G20 meeting in, in India and New Delhi. And um, the big news this week was that Xi Jinping officially will not attend the uh, the summit. The first time since he, uh, he rose to power in China and he will be sending his premier. Um, a lot of talks about why that's the case and what it signals is, is, is China isolating itself more? You know, there has been recent tensions between India and China. Is that the reason he doesn't want to, you know, attend this G20 meeting in India? Well, there are a lot of different angles to this. And we also internally talked, Shara, about uh, Nikkei Asia was had this, um, this, um, this report about, you know, this recent meeting that, that was this famous annual meeting at a beach resort in, in China where all the, the leading figures in the party, they discussed certain issues. And there it sort of, it came to light that maybe there is a brewing internal pushback to some of she she's um policies i don't know whether you have any any remarks to this g20 and also what could come out of it or how you see what is happening yeah i mean i think 
domestically uh, i mean we've seen a lot of uh, you know uh, reports about how much pressure there is on president xi uh you know there were statements like he's having to undo the mistakes of the past three presidents and uh so obviously signals that um there's quite a bit going un- been going on under the surface there in china which um you know the markets are really not uh, aware of right now but um you know coming to your point about the g20 and uh, president xi's absence uh, from that meeting i think is also um a very strong signal on um the the unhappiness or the uneasiness i should say of the chinese authorities with the growing influence of india over the us or over you know at least uh, some of the other smaller asian economies and uh, uh, potentially also this apple ban that we've seen um, is also aligned to that uh, rhetoric because uh, we've you know seen reports of apple moving production out of china and into india um, over the next several years they've already started this iphone 15 that is coming out uh, in september is actually being produced majorly in india as well now uh, so certainly i think that growing um, you know s- significance of india on a global scale is something that is also starting to worry chinese authorities i would think yeah all right let's leave china and 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 move to europe because that's one of the big events in uh, in uh, you know central banks among central banks and also currencies and that's the ecb rate decision on thursday next week the market i just looked at the pricing on the bloomberg terminal before i went into the studio The market is pricing 34% probability for a rate hike. Um the way I look at Europe is that the ECB is probably the central bank that faces the biggest dilemma because, you know, inflation remains pretty high. We're going into the winter months, there are potential energy crises that could erupt if we get very bad weather here in Europe. And at the same time, and uh, there's a, a significant slowdown in the economy, German the German economy um already in a recession. So What do you do if you're an ECB, and and what do you think they they will do, Shara? I mean, I I would not have that uh, role as the chief of um, of the ECB right now. Don't throw it on me. I wouldn't want that as well. But certainly, I think uh, it's a very tough decision, and I think it'll be a close call. They're potentially going to have quite a split in the in the council. Um, you know, we heard from uh, governing council member Klaus Nott this week, um, and the comments were telling. He said that the market may be underestimating the chances of a rate hike next week, and that is actually brought what brought the pricing for ECB rate hikes to thirty four percent. As you said, it was actually much lower. I think it was twenty twenty five percent. um before his comments uh, it still is low i think only a one in three chance yes and that's uh, clearly you know indicative of the dilemma that it is and clearly you know stagflation risk but inflation still near that 5% mark as well exceeding expectations both of the street as well as of the ecb itself um so i mean if you look at i think again going back to uh, the comments that were made at jackson hole from lagarde and uh, she did hint at the structural uh, issues and the upside that they could bring in inflation the labor market issues the supply chains um but i mean all of that certainly remains beyond the scope of monetary policy but if they don't address the cyclical concerns fully as well you know with oil prices being a big factor for uh, europe as well and uh, you know th- those structural issues could just become bigger if uh, if we pause now or 
I mean, more so if we end the tightening cycle now. Uh, so, um, I mean, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a really tough decision that they have in front of them. But uh, what I would also put into the mix of, you know, their growth inflation confusion is that um, the, the window to really hike rates for them may be uh, getting more and more limited if they were to kind of postpone that decision for now, uh, because their next meeting is only on the 26th of October, by when we may have started to see a more clear deterioration in the U.S. consumer as well, which could, you know, bring in more um, uh, bets about the Fed ending its tightening cycle as well. Uh, so does that close the window for ECB to hike anymore if they wanted to kind of, you know, take a breather now and assess the data? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's a really tough decision. But I mean, even if they were to come up with a hike, uh, does that really help the euro? Uh, well, that again, you know, is, is a big question because euro can still struggle to rally given the concerns around stack inflation, given the risks around oil prices. Uh, so these expectations also, I mean, if you were to see a surprise high, they, they potentially can limit the downside in the euro, um, at least going into that ECB meeting. Uh, but will they bring a substantial upside? Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not so sure about that. No, I've I had the same the same thoughts that let's say they do a surprise hike, then the, the short term flows and initial reaction will probably be a stronger euro. But then what if the interpretation shifts over the coming days and weeks that you know this was too much, uh, that it was a policy mistake, uh, it will actually weaken the economy even more, um, and then then everything will just change around because then the economy will will, will really slip, and then you need a weaker exchange rate to um, to offset that. So, yeah, it's going to be a super interesting event next mm-hmm. week. And um, yeah, sorry, do you have a final comment? I don't know. No, I was saying that is exactly something we saw in the UK as well, right? I mean, after a point, these rate hikes are not taken positively by the currency if they are seen to be doing more damage than the kind of uh, you know uh, uh, impact they're expected to have. So certainly, it's it's a that, that is where we are getting to as we navigate these end of cycle dynamics. Uh, this is what is really hard to understand whether those rate hikes really have the impact that they are intended to have. Yeah, that's a very good point. All right, I think that's sort of the uh, the end of the podcast. Very great discussion, and um, yeah. So next week, watch out for uh, the dollar and uh, the dollar rally, uh, whether it can continue. Watch for that relative strength on the economy. Look out for China. Um, where is the currency going? Focus on semiconductors, Apple, Qualcomm, etc. And then ECB event on Thursday going to be super important for the euro and and Europe. And uh, that's it. We will be back again. Thank you for listening. Thank you.